It's great to be together tonight. It's great to have Randy Johns with us. <clears throat> Randy has come back home to be with us this evening. Randy spent 1985 to 1992 serving here as the youth minister and as one of the associate ministers here during that time. Randy was my youth minister. Uh, well, we had lots of fun. <laughs> and uh, Randy was a great teacher and mentor and just someone who took an interest in us and loved us. And uh, Randy, I appreciate those days. And uh, Randy and I had supper together this evening, and we just had a great visit catching up on things. And uh, Randy and Lori uh, have two sons, Luke and Taylor. And they, uh, Randy and Lori live in Oklahoma City, the Edmond area right now. And uh, he's the preaching minister for the Mayfair Church in Oklahoma City. Uh, Randy has preached in Mansfield, Texas, Edmond, Oklahoma, uh, in addition to serving time here at Lamar Avenue as well. And so Randy loves the Word of God. He loves to teach. And uh, Randy, we're glad that you're here this evening. I'm going to ask that you come up and I'm going to pray over you. And uh, then we'll hear a message from the Word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together in the middle of the week where we can be together and, and just have this great time of worship and praise to you and fellowship. And Father, we thank you for Randy and Lori and their boys, and we thank you, Father, for the work that they do in the kingdom and the work that they're doing right now in Oklahoma City. Father, I thank you for Randy and his example uh, over the years to so many people. And I pray that you'll bless him tonight as he speaks through your word. And Father, as we are together tonight, we also pray for our sister, Dot Campbell. We pray for those that are tending to her in, uh, in a medical way today. And I pray for her family. And I just pray, Father, that you will ease the pain that I know she's experiencing right now. And I just pray that you continue to bless her in the days to come. We love you and we thank you for the privilege to be a Christian, and to call you our Father. And it's through Jesus' name we pray, and the church said. Patrick said I had 35 minutes. But the first 10 or so, as we reminisce, don't count. That's right. 30 years ago next week, Lori and I packed a medium-sized U-Haul truck and we drove to Paris, Texas and we moved into a little duplex right over behind the lumber yard. And for almost seven years, this church loved us and nurtured us and encouraged us and built us and helped us start a family. Patrick, it's starting. <clears throat> Lori and I had a uh, privilege to kind of slip in here one Sunday morning in May, and we stood up to sing the first song, and about the chorus time, I had tears uh, rolling down my cheeks. I love this church, and I love its history, and it's such a blessing to be a part uh, of this church for just, just seven years. You know, they, they say in ministry uh, often that the honeymoon ends, it never ended. 
uh, never ended here. So it is such a blessing to be here uh, tonight. I have started a, a doctor ministry program in Chicago, and, and so I spend a couple of weeks out of the year in Chicago, and I spent uh, the third week of June in Chicago, uh, made my first trip to Wrigley Field. The Cardinals weren't playing, but it was still fun to go see uh, Wrigley Field. Uh, saw you two that week. I did go to class. Lori drugged me, literally drugged me, to Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. How many Church of Christ preachers do you know have seen Lady, Lady Gaga? I have. I have. I've seen her in, in person. And I've made one trip to St. Louis. I'll be making another trip in um, September. But of all those things, other than one other event that I'm going to tell you about here in just a minute, this hour is the highlight of my summer. It really is. And it is so good to be here, and so sorry the teenagers are having to sit through this tonight. But anyway, uh, it is, I could just stand here for an hour and just kind of look. Um, I can't remember, someone's going to have to help me, I can't remember the dear sister's name uh, who, who battled with, with lupus, and she was about this tall, and just so sweet. Dean Kilmer and I went up to visit her in the hospital one afternoon, and, and we had a wonderful visit, and we were getting ready to say goodbye, and, and I leaned over and, and gave this sister a hug, and then Dean leaned over, and the bed rail collapsed. <laughs> Dean wound up in the bed with this sister, <laughs> and this bed was moving across the hospital room. I don't really know how Dean recovered because I was out the door. <laughs> I, I remember one Sunday morning, I, I think it, you know, used to back in the day, uh, men kind of signed up or were asked to serve on the Lord's Supper for a month, a month at a time. And it was always kind of neat to me that uh, one month the elders would serve uh, communion, and I remember, you know, back in that, those days, I sat down right down here with the teens, and I, I can't remember which elder it was, but lifted up the tray, then lifted up the next tray, and then the next tray, and there was no communion in any of the trays, and I think, I think John quickly preached, and communion was prepared, and then there was an afternoon when I went over to uh, Pettit Ward to hang out with Robert and Pig for a little bit. And, uh, you know, right across the street from Pettit Ward was Paris Muffler. Don Davis was in charge. And on this particular afternoon, Don had no business, and he was sitting on a bucket out in front of Paris Muffler. And so Robert said, watch this. So he goes over and he calls Paris Muffler. And we see Don jump up off the bucket and he runs to the phone and then Robert hangs up. <laughs> we did that four times. <laughs> and then we all stepped out and waved at Don and he knew exactly what, what had been going on. Uh, can we do this for an hour or do I need to teach? I'm, we, we, better, we better teach uh, a little bit. Okay, Patrick, you can start the clock. <laughs> okay. 
There, uh, Lori bought me a new suit. I don't know if it was for my birthday or what, but was over here Belk? Bells. Bells or Belk? Bells. Everything has an S on, it, on, the, on the end of it here in Lamar County. Walmarts, Belts, uh, Bells. Uh, anyway, I bought, bought a new suit and somehow got out of the store with the security device still on the coat of my suit. And I, I didn't notice it. I didn't pick up on it. Didn't, uh, you know, I'm not looking at the tail of my suit. You know, I'm butting the front of it. So uh, I didn't, I, Lori didn't even notice it. Of course, she was probably busy with babies. And um, so I get up here to church and somebody mentions it. And so I'm walking around, you know, with this security tag hanging down off uh, my uh, uh, coat. And when I, when I was first hired here, the, the elders, since I wasn't gifted like Patrick is to lead singing, they wanted some way to kind of get me up in front of the church. So I became maybe the highest paid announcement maker in the brotherhood. Um, no, I probably wasn't the highest paid, but anyway. Um, so I'm getting up to make announcements, and so I'm kind of be explaining all this. And here, here is kind of the irony of this whole story. There, there was someone, and I'm, I'm forgetting names, but there was someone visiting that day and told me later that if, if a church can kind of laugh about that on Sunday morning together, this was the place for him. And... Um, I wish I could remember who that was. I'll probably remember it on the way back to Oklahoma City tonight. But uh, anyway, there's, there's, that, there's that story, which I, I forgot to tell you the biggest event uh, for us this, this summer. We are expecting our first grandchild uh, at the end of August. Uh, Luke and uh, Lindsay uh, are, are expecting. They, they've been married a little over four years and live in Oklahoma City. And uh, Taylor's been married about one year. You know, he went to school in Pepperdine and uh, will never come back. Uh, he's probably going to just live his whole life right there in Malibu. And he is, is working for Rory Kennedy, who is the youngest daughter of Robert Kennedy and works in the film business. And their film last year, Last Days in, uh, in Vietnam, was actually nominated for an Academy Award. And so... He got to attend the Academy Awards uh, this past February. We do small groups on Sunday night, and that's, that Sunday night we watched the Academy Awards. <laughs> we, had a, we had a big big party there, and Taylor had sent me a picture uh, earlier uh, in the day. You know, he was in a full tux and all giddied up, but he had on Kevin Durant socks. <laughs> so, go Thunder. That's right. You can take the boy out of Oklahoma, but you can't take the Oklahoma out of the boy kind of a thing. But uh, I don't see Clint. Clay's Clint. There's Clint. Did you see what Luke named his son? Jettison Parker Johns. Clint knows where the Parker came from. Tony Parker, who is a basketball player for the San Antonio Spurs. But... Uh, Luke thinks that that will sound really good when he steps into the batter's box. Now hitting Jet Johns. So, anyway, but we got to teach. We got to teach. Now, restart the clock.
more precious than gold, what will I do with my faith? I I think one of the strengths of Churches of Christ has, has always been the high regard we have for Scripture. We believe that the Bible is God's inspired and authoritative word. Really, no one will even debate that with us. No one will even argue that with us. However, I don't know that we've always done really well with the full canon. That we've, we've tended, maybe, to have a canon within the canon. And that would be the books of Acts through Jude. This, this kind of came home to me uh, a few years ago. I, I didn't bring this Bible uh, tonight. But I had, I had had a Bible uh, that I'd, I had used and studied with and preached from and taught from for several years. And you know how the white pages of your Bible, you know, your fingers get a little dirty or a little gritty and a little grimy and the outside pages get a little, little dirty. I, I looked at my Bible one day and about three-fourths of those pages were absolutely white. And then the other fourth, maybe a third, were really dirty, which told me I was spending more time in that part of the Bible. Well, you could almost just mark it right there, Acts to Jude. And, And so what that means is maybe we've neglected the Gospels. And we're not even going to talk about the Old Testament because we don't believe in it anyway, okay? <laughs> but the Gospels are in the New Testament, all right? So we should at least maybe look at the Gospels every once in a while. And, and I, I'm even wondering, and, and maybe not intentionally, but, but maybe we've, without even knowing it, have interpreted Jesus through Paul. And yet, as great a Christian missionary, arguably the greatest ever, as great as Paul was, Paul didn't die for us. Uh, Jesus did. And and even though we we have this this conviction and a a loyalty to the body of Christ, the church, the church didn't die for us. And, and even though we, we have very strong doctrines uh, or, or convictions of a, of a doctrinal f- platform that, that I, I refuse to compromise, it, it wasn't a doctrinal platform that saved us. It was Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And, and so... One thing, maybe, our faith can do is redirect it, put a re-emphasis upon Jesus. And so however much time I have left, we're going to talk about Jesus a little bit.
And I want to begin in Matthew chapter 8. And I want to read a story we're all familiar with, verses 23 through 27. And I hear a few pages turning. Remember when Rex Bowles would come and he would ask us if we brought our Bibles? And if you didn't, he'd say, repent and bring it next time. I've stolen that and I've used it everywhere I've been. But, so if you didn't bring your Bible tonight, bring it Sunday. Patrick will appreciate it. And, and Daryl, our youth minister, says that electronic devices don't count. It must be. Must, must be. Right. Here's the story. Then he, Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord... Save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Craig Keener is one of my favorite uh, New Testament scholars, and, and he's written a pretty thick commentary on the Gospel of Matthew. And um, in, in his study of this particular passage, he says that this is a Christological statement, this, this whole story. Christology is just a fancy word that I'm using tonight to try to really impress you in the almost 30 years that I've been gone from Lamar Avenue to make you think I've learned something maybe. But, but Christ, Christology is, is basically just a, a theological word that's used to describe the study of Jesus. And normally Christology tries to answer, uh, tries to answer two questions. Who is Jesus and what did he do? And so this question that the disciples ask after Jesus calms the storm is a Christological question. They, they are wondering who this guy is, how was he able to do it, and what does it mean? Right. Why is that an important question? What kind of man is this? Why, why is it important to ask who Jesus is? Why is it important to ask what did he do? Why is it important to ask what might his life have to say to my life? Well, because Christology determines discipleship. Or to put it another way, what we think about Jesus will go a long way in how we respond to him. Right? For example, if we think Jesus was just a good moral example, we might choose to respond by just saying, okay, I'll take what I like and leave the rest behind. He is a good, good guy, good example. Or, or maybe we think he's, he's really 
an intellectual kind of teacher. And so maybe I can learn a few things, or maybe uh, he is a, a philosopher, and, and maybe I can learn some principles about life, just some general, proverbial, wise kinds of things that we might apply to our lives. But if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then, then how we respond to him should take on a, a, a completely different meaning, right? Okay. Our story in Matthew 8 is Im- embedded in a section of uh, Matthew that scholars sometimes refer to as an inclusio. The word inclusio is simply a Latin word which means a shutting off or a confinement. You probably see our word inclusion in this uh, Latin term. In New Testament studies, it is a technical term for a passage of Scripture in which the opening phrase or idea is then repeated or paraphrased or otherwise returned to at the close of the section. And, and so it's, it's kind of a literary device that, that writers might use to highlight some things, to kind of repeat themselves, to indicate to its, uh, his readers that this is something important. This is something that, that bears repeating. I mean, this is something that you really need uh, to get. Um, remember the LTC days. Dean Kilmer had a little uh, formula that he would teach our young students uh, to follow to present a lesson for LTC, Leadership Training for Christ. Dean would say, you tell them what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. Remember that? Anybody, Anybody remember that? I was taught... You stand up, you speak up, and you shut up. But anyway, that was, that was Dean's little formula. Well, well that's what an inclusio does. In, in our, our story here in, in Matthew 8 is, again, kind of right in the middle of a section of Matthew where Matthew does that. He, he tells us what he's going to tell us, and then he tells us, and then he tells us what he told us. Right? The, the bookends, we might say, are Matthew 4, verses 23 through 25, and Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. Now, now listen how closely these two passages are. He's going to tell us basically the same thing. All right? And so this, is, this will be our opening bracket and, and then our closing bracket. Right? Here's, here's chapter 4. Verses 23 through 25. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. People brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. And chapter 4 ends. Now you go over to chapter 9 in verses 35 through 38. Read this this way and listen to how 
It's, it's basically the same thing. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Okay? So this section of Matthew begins in chapter 4, verse 23, and ends in chapter 9 and verse 38. And in these bookends, again, if you will, right, Matthew tells us that Jesus does several things, right? He teaches, he preaches, he heals, he serves. Of course, he's going, all right? So beginning in chapter 5, verse 1, and running through chapter 9 and verse 34, Matthew gives us examples of Jesus doing just that. He goes, he teaches, he preaches, and he heals every kind of disease you can imagine. Now, I'm I'm kind of convinced that, that Matthew originally wrote his gospel to a Jewish audience. I I don't know if it was a a Jewish Christian audience. If it was, then Matthew becomes a 28-week Sunday school course. If he's writing to a non-Christian Jewish establishment or culture or community, then the gospel of Matthew becomes an evangelistic tract where he's going to try to convince some fellow Jews that Jesus is the promised Messiah. That's that's why you see all through Matthew's gospel, more than any other gospel, Matthew quoting the Old Testament and showing Jesus as the fulfillment of Scripture. And and so he, he shares Jesus teaching and preaching and healing and going about and ministering among people to convince us now that Jesus was the promised Messiah. He is the Son of God. And so really, his entire gospel is Christological, right? Now, after this this opening bookend or, or bracket, Chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. What does Matthew do? He moves right into the Sermon on the Mount. And he he shows Jesus teaching and preaching. And uh, uh, Jesus, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, kind of the the, uh, epitome of Jesus' ethic. Uh, Living living life on a higher plane. Really living life as, as God wants us to live. And so he, he told us that's what he was going to tell us. And then he tells us, he shows Jesus teaching and preaching. Sermon on the Mount concludes at the end of chapter 7. Chapter 8 begins, and really, from chapter 8 until we get to the end of chapter 9 in our closing bracket, there, there is a little bit of teaching material, but primarily, now Matthew shares with us the healing part. I mean, Jesus is just busy, and he's moving from here 
to there. And he goes across the Sea of Galilee, and then he goes back. And he's in Capernaum. And then he's uh, over in other portions of, of Galilee. And kind of depending on, on how you count uh, all of these uh, healing stories, I, I count about eight uh, and, and if you put a couple together, there, there might actually be nine, nine or ten. He heals a leper. He heals uh, a centurion's paralyzed servant. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He didn't even ask Peter, by the way. Uh, two demon-possessed men, a paralytic. Uh, he heals a woman with an issue of blood just by her touching him. Remember that story? He, he raises a ruler's uh, daughter from the dead. He heals two blind men. And then our, our little uh, section concludes with Jesus healing a demon-possessed mute man. I, I mean, Jesus heals everything. Right? And, and, and I think in, in sharing these healing stories... They validate the authority of, of Jesus' teaching that we just read about or mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount. And they also validate the authority of Jesus basically over life. I mean, Jesus has authority over demons, disease, death, disabilities, deafness, dumbness. I got a D thing going here, all right? And, and so every, every aspect of life is subject to him. Now, is he the son of God or not? And, and are you convinced he's the son of God? Am, am I convinced he's the son of God? And, and if we are convinced, then Matthew 9 closes, I, I really think by making the point that the mission of Jesus is not his alone. I mean, did you pick up? At the end of nine, chapter 9, Jesus prays a prayer, and, and think about it. He's, he's praying for laborers or workers in his harvest. Have you ever thought of your life being an answer to Jesus' prayer? Now, how cool is that? Okay. And so if the ministry of Jesus consisted of going, teaching, preaching, and serving, then so must ours. And so we must interact with people through words and works as well. And so if our faith is indeed more precious than gold, then this is what we will do with it. First of all, we'll declare it, just as Jesus did. He taught and he preached. And, and really, there aren't many differences in those two words, but maybe to, to dissect those two words just a little bit. Maybe teaching refers to, to more of a private kind of setting and, and has more instruction in mind, where preaching, or the word could be translated as proclaiming, has more of a, a, a public setting and is designed more about conversion or conviction. Okay, and, and Jesus did both, and so should we. D Jesus spoke courageously. Jesus did not beat around the bush. We, in, in the Bible class I'm a part of up in Oklahoma City on Sunday mornings, this past Sunday we were talking about the fact that, that Jesus was anything but politically correct. I mean, he was bold. 
He was courageous in his teaching, in his preaching. Didn't compromise any of God's truth, and, and neither must we. And, and so one thing our faith needs to do is to declare itself. The second thing that our faith must do is to demonstrate it. To serve people. To interact with people. I would would encourage you to to go back sometime in in your personal devotional time and and read chapters 8 and 9 and read all those healing stories and, and just do two things. First of all, Look from the perspective of those who were healed by Jesus. And and then go back and look from the perspective of Jesus himself. And and there there are lessons looking both ways, but, but for just a minute, from the perspective of Jesus. Notice notice what Jesus does in these stories. He takes the initiative to serve. Uh, He puts himself at risk. He makes himself vulnerable. He's very compassionate. The the very first story uh, is when he heals a leper. And the leper even, he he doesn't want to presume upon Jesus. He he says, if you're willing, and, and Jesus says, I'm willing. And he touched the guy. I don't know if I'm always as willing. We'd had a, a busy Sunday, and evidently um, a junior high activity on that Sunday night. This was B.C., before children. Luke hadn't been born yet. Finally made it back to the duplex, and I crash, and the phone rings. And that was back in the day when some of you may still have answering machines, but everybody had an answering machine that day. And I said, Lori, let the machine get it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm tired. Junior high students. Prob- you were probably in that group, Patrick. <laughs> and the voice comes out, Randy, I know you're there. This is Sue Garrett. Well, then I was so scared. I was afraid to answer the phone. I said, Lori, let it go. Let it go. So I called Sue the next day, and it wasn't any big deal. She was having some fun with me. But uh, I I was was done. You know, (laughs) no, no more serving. Not tonight. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. So so there there are so many things that we can learn just just about demonstrating our faith by by looking uh, looking at at Jesus. One more thing. Matthew does something really interesting throughout his gospel. He, He seems to contrast his disciples, his closest followers, with the crowds. In in fact, if you were listening closely, the crowds were mentioned in both bookends. And if we had taken time to read 
chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, and all of 9, we would have seen the crowds mentioned another, I think, seven or eight times. So, so just in our inclusio, the crowds are mentioned 10 or 11 times. In Matthew's gospel, the crowds are always there. Always. And, and even Matthew tells us that they followed Jesus. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, they're amazed at his teaching. And, and when, you, when you see the crowds mentioned in uh, chapters 8 and 9, they're amazed at the healing. In fact, so much so, they bring forth their sick as well. And, and, and so the crowds are, are always present. They're always on um, the peripheral, almost. They, they seem to be interested. They, they seem to be somewhat engaged even. But when you get to the end of Matthew's gospel, who is it that cries out, crucifying, crucifying? It's the crowds. And, and so their, their interest never moved them to faith like those disciples. And, and so when we, when we think about faith and we think about passing it on and, and we think about it being more precious uh, than gold, the question is, will we truly follow Jesus and declare our faith and demonstrate our faith just as he did, and I think quite honestly as he expects of us? Or are we just going to kind of be one in the crowd? Thank you so much for inviting me to be with you tonight. And Lori and I didn't communicate real well about tonight, and that's why I'm by myself. I may need some marital counseling, Patrick, before I, before I leave. Um, um, I, I have, as Patrick mentioned, I have, you know, I've preached in Tulsa, and I've preached in Mansfield, and preached in Edmond. Now I preach in Oklahoma City. And every one of those churches know about the Lamar Avenue Church of Christ in Paris, Texas. In fact, they get tired of me talking about you guys. Thanks again. Let's close with a prayer. Father, it is um, such a blessing to be uh, a part of your family. It's, it's such a blessing to... Um, be a member of the Lord's body and um, literally anywhere you go and, and anywhere you might be that uh, there uh, are, are members of your body close. And Father, it's ex especially a blessing uh, to be a part of a local church family and uh, one, especially like Lamar Avenue. And, and Father, because of, of just seven wonderful years, he heaven is going to be so much better uh, 
uh, for my family. Thank you so much for uh, this church, for its history, um, for all the families that have been a part of this congregation, for all the ministers that have served in um, such faithful ways. Uh, Father, I'm so thankful to have served under um, some of the most godly spiritual men I've ever known uh, here at Lamar Avenue and to work to have worked with men like John and Dean and uh, the deacons that served here and uh, just to be a part of uh, this church's history is is just so meaningful and such a blessing and just ask you continue to bless this church, to bless its leadership, to bless Patrick and other members of this staff. And Father, help Lamar Avenue to continue to um, shine its light so brightly here in Paris, Lamar County, and uh, all around the world. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And um, maybe in the past we've been a little guilty of of neglecting Jesus and and, um, help us to to always look to him uh, as the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, as we leave this place tonight, I I ask that you uh, see us each safely home and uh, Father, we... uh, Look forward to being together again very soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We dismissed? We're dismissed. I heard last week when John was here, we had ice cream. Water and bread, okay. Well, all right. Thank you.